But we're going to begin in Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone, to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. When Paul spoke these words, it's been about 30 years that have passed since the death of Christ. The Roman world was filled of many gods. They had their own belief system. And then they adopted all the Greek gods. So, and then there were pagan gods that, you know, well, they're all pagan gods, but you know what I mean. They had all kinds of belief systems that the Romans were all over the place in a religious sense. So to to an average Roman, Christianity, the whole thought about Christianity was was just a story about a dead carpenter from a land that was conquered by them. It was nothing to them. Absolutely nothing to them. It was just another, another conquered country bringing in their God what they think is their God, to our, to our uh, uh, collection of gods. Just a story about a dead carpenter. Meant nothing to them. Yet Paul earnestly desired to go there. He wanted to, he knew, he says at the beginning, that he was set apart for the gospel. That he was chosen for the gospel. And so he earnestly desired to go to Rome to tell them the truth about the dead carpenter and to reveal to them this great gospel. So Paul states, he makes this bold statement that I am not ashamed. It's quite a unique statement. Because I think when you make that kind of proclamation that I am not ashamed, it seems to me that you were probably tempted to be ashamed or at one point in your life were ashamed. Because it's a pretty bold proclamation to make. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation. Paul is saying this. I am proud of the good news. It is powerful to save people who have faith. It doesn't matter if they're Jews or Gentiles. It doesn't matter who they are. God will reveal himself through the gospel. They will receive it by faith and they will live because of it. Paul is saying that my confidence is not misplaced. My assurance is not misplaced. I know this gospel. There's no disgrace in knowing Jesus. In fact, that there's power. We have to look at these two words, power and salvation, really closely here. The Greek word for power here means miraculous power. It is the word duminous. It's where we get the word dynamite from, where we get the word dynamo from. Two both powerful images of immense power. But he's going beyond that and said, this is miraculous power. This is the power that raises people from the dead. This is the power that heals diseases. This is the power that kicks out demons. This is the power that changes lives. 
And the word salvation in the Greek word means to rescue someone, to deliver them someone. But it is both physical uh, rescue and spiritual rescue. And it's both present tense and future tense. It's got all of it covered, this, this wonderful word of salvation. It's got everything covered. It's got your physical body being saved. It's got your spiritual body being saved. It's got your salvation is for now, and of course it's for all eternity. This is a wonderful word, the power of salvation, the power of the gospel. The gospel is not potential salvation. The gospel is promised salvation. Let me say that again. The gospel is not potential salvation. It is promised salvation. That makes a huge difference in how we approach this verse. The power of God transforms, it redeems, it restores, it delivers, it makes all things new all through the gospel. But here is my big question about this because I'm going to get to this, to this, this really crazy thought I'm going to about to share with you. Do we really believe here this morning that the gospel does that? I mean, do we really believe that the gospel is the power to save? Because if we do, this verse takes on a whole different level of meaning for us. And we have to go to that word of shame to understand what I think God is going to say to us this morning. That word, the word for shame in the Greek means to be disappointed. To be disgraced. Paul is saying, I am not disappointed by this gospel because I know the power firsthand. I've experienced this power. This power stopped me in my tracks. This power blinded me for a season. This power changed my name. This power got me on the, off the road of destruction and on a road of life and it has changed me completely. I am not ashamed of this. I'm not disappointed in this gospel because I know it firsthand what it's done for me. So I can't be disappointed in this. I'm not disappointed in the message of the gospel. I'm not disappointed of what proclaiming the message of this gospel does to my reputation. I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not disappointed in this. I know it's going to cost me. But that, that doesn't disappoint me. Because I know the God behind the gospel. Because the God behind the gospel knows me. He changed my name. He changed my life. I, I can't wait to tell you about this dead carpenter. Guess what? He's not dead anymore. He's alive. And not only is he alive, he conquered death. And not only did he conquer death, he conquered disease, demons, destruction. See, he's, he's not just a dead carpenter. He's a, he's a live Messiah. This is why I'm not disappointed by the gospel. Because I know firsthand the power of it. 
And I want to share the good news of this power with you so that you experience the same thing that I am, and the same person that I am. Are you disappointed at this point? Does this disappoint you? Does this disappoint you that, that you have a God that is willing to change the very way you walk through this life? I am not ashamed of the gospel. This scripture is used in a lot of evangelistic teaching. But it's so much more than just, please don't be afraid of witnessing. It is so much deeper than that. It is used a lot in that, and I'm not saying it has nothing to do with witnessing, but it's so much deeper than that because Paul is saying, you know, the reason why I'm I'm not afraid, I'm not ashamed of the gospel is because I know the God behind the gospel. I I don't need to be disappointed. I don't need to be afraid to speak about the gospel, because it's the power to save. Why wouldn't I speak about it? It is so much more than just not being afraid to witness. If I realized what God has done in my life, and I do, People, you know, human beings have been dealing with shame since the garden. Shame is this paralyzing fear of who we are. Shame lies to us about who we are, about our identity in Christ. Shame will silence our voice, our actions, our faith. In our future, if we let it, and this is where it gets a little bit a little bit more challenging. But please, I'm saying this in love, and I'm saying this with as, as carefully as I can this morning, because I believe God wants to address this at the very core of who we are this morning. I have pockets of shame, just like everybody in this building does. Okay, all of us deal with some form of shame from our past from the sins that we've done, mistakes that we've made, from the sins of other people against us, from just walking and wading through that world out there, there are pockets and shame in all of us. Can we just admit that this morning? I have them. I have issues of self-worth. I have issues of my identity. I have, if we lined up our issues of, of shame, they would probably be very, very close to each other. Because the enemy attacks our identity all the time with shame. If there's a pocket of shame in me that I give authority to, that I bow down to, that I say that that is more powerful than the gospel to save me, that is an idol in my life. And I serve it. Because I'm saying that God can't touch that. God can't heal that. If I say that shame, that belief about myself, 
God is either not wanting to or not able to change that, that that has become my God and I serve it. I'm, I'm not trying to be hard. I really have. Please listen to me. God wants us free. God wants us free from this. This is why we cannot be disappointed in the gospel to save us. Because that's what we're saying. We're saying, that part of my life, God has disappointed me. Because he refuses to deal with it. Where the truth is, we have given authority to it. And God wants us to repent from that. And turn away from that. Because he will have no other gods before him. Not even ourselves. I say that with all the love that I can muster because I know your hearts. You want to be free. So when we read this scripture that says that I am not ashamed of the, of the gospel because it is the power of God to save, that means for us too. It's, it's the power to save us now. We know that our sins are forgiven. We know that, that the power of God for salvation saves us for all eternity. And man, and that is wonderful. And, that's, and if God never did anything else for us, that's enough to worship Him by. But God wants to save us now too. To deliver us now. Redeem us now. Restore us now. We are in the process of sanctification. The process of justification. But basically that's the process of making us look like Jesus. Are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? Good. Paul knew the, the God behind the gospel. We can't give more power to shame. We just can't. We just can't. So, all right. You guys ready to go through some scriptures? All right. Someone find Isaiah 41.1. Then someone find Romans 5.5. 5. Someone go back to Isaiah, go to 54.4. Someone find 2 Timothy 1, verses 7 and 8. And then someone find Romans 10 and 11. And then we can, I can repeat all those again. But when you get to 1, someone get to Isaiah 41. 43.1, let me know. Jump up and down, yell, scream, speak in tongues, whatever. Okay, Patty. 43.1. Yep, say it loud and proud, please. <laughs> but now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name, you are mine. What's the real promise in that? Can you see it? Have no need to fear because we are His. There's something else in there. You only use someone's name when you know them. You, when, you're, you, when you're calling someone by name, it means you know them. I think that's the most beautiful part of that is that God knows us. 
This is the God behind the gospel who says we don't have to be afraid of even our shame. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm really excited about that one. Romans 5.5, anyone got that? And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What's the promise in there? We don't have to be put to shame because we have we got God's love and that produces what in us? Hope. 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 Sound like the gospel to you? Is the gospel a message of hope? Of course it is. Of course it is. Isaiah 54, 4. Who's got that? Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed. Neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame. For thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy little hurt. Okay, what's the promise in that one? Your past has no power over you. What are you going to say? We don't have to be ashamed. The past has no power over us. The past has no power over us. Say that. Uh, the past has no power over us. Say it. The past has no power over us. Do you believe it? Do you believe it this morning? Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Okay, what's the message there? Okay. And because of that, he commands us here not to be ashamed. Which means that it's possible not to be ashamed. It's called a choice. It's called a decision. Choose therefore this day a blessing or a curse. Life or death. We don't have to be disappointed about the gospel because God is supplying the power for us to not be ashamed. One more, Romans ten eleven. Scripture says, What's the power of that that scripture? Faith. Faith. God is really serious about us getting rid of our shame. He sent Jesus to the cross for that. Jesus' death on the cross dealt with our sin. Our shame, everything that keeps us from being one with the Father, totally eradicates that by the blood that He shed for us. And then has victory over death and disease and demons by rising from the dead. There is no reason for us to hold on to shame. Christ died for it, it's done, it's covered by the blood. So when we say that we are not ashamed of the gospel, what we're saying, we are not ashamed of the Savior. We're not disappointed with Him because we know what He's done in my life and I am a different person. I have a new name. I'm a son and daughter of the Most High God. 
Romans 8.38 says this, And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death or life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. It's one thing to believe that your sins have been removed. It's a whole other level of faith to believe that God's love can never be taken from you. This is why the gospel does not disappoint us. I'm not saying we don't have disappointments. But there is a way of handling our disappointments. We bring them to God as an, as an offering. We come to God honestly and say, you know, this situation, this circumstance, this disease, this sorrow, this, this heartbreak is a great disappointment to me. But I'm going to lay it at your feet as an offering to you because I don't want to serve that. I want to serve you. So I'm going to bring my offering, this thing that I need to be consumed on the altar of your love. I'm going to bring this to you because I know you're the one that can handle it. See, if I hold on to that disappointment, then I start to have a grudge against God. And that's a position nobody wants to be in. That verse in Romans, it says that, you know, I'm convinced that nothing, nothing can separate me. It means that we're not frozen by the parts of our life that are not quite finished yet. So often we, we wait to move ahead in God because He said, well, you know what? This is still being worked on in my life. And God says, I want you to walk out in faith no matter what because I am going to finish you off. I'm going to complete the work that I started. This is where faith comes in, that you will trust me with the process of healing your soul, of healing your mind, of healing your body, of healing your spirit, of healing your relationships, healing you from your past. Will you trust me with this? And not be disappointed in the power of the gospel because it's not happening on my time frame. If we want to see lasting change in the world, if we want to go and make disciples and and make distinct and powerful changes in, in the world and in our lives, we really have to believe what we say we believe. We really have to. We have to. These, we make these bold statements. We read the scriptures and we sing these wonderful songs of worship, but there comes a time where we actually have to believe what we say we believe. If we really want to see a change. This wonderful word promises freedom. This word promises that he is good. His death on the cross promised that we would be free from sin and shame and the shame of sin. Are we either believe it or or we don't? Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom's sake Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Slavery is this, is this ugly picture of a loss of identity. It's this harsh picture of loss of freedom. And the scripture says, Christ has set you free. So your response is to stand firm. And that, that word means actually to stand your ground. It's a military term. 
It's a military term saying, stand your ground because of this. Because you have a fierce, fierce loyalty to the commander who gave it order to you. It's not just stand there for as long as you can. It means that you stand there with a fierce determination to stand there because your, your father, your commander-in-chief, your lord and savior, your master said, stand firm right there. And don't move. That's, that is the essence of that word, those words say to stand firm. It's a military thing. Look, we're in a war. We know this. So why are we surprised then when shame comes to attack us? It's a great tool of the enemy who wants to try to remind us of, of all the failures, all the waste, all the things that we have done wrong in our lives or things that were done against us. And say, man, that is just too much for God to, to overcome in your life. That's, that's just not going to happen. That's the enemy speaking. God says, I already come to set you free. Just for freedom's sake, I've done it. And who the Son has set free is free indeed. So stand firm. He says, stand firm in your freedom. Be fierce in your loyalty to the God who gave you that freedom. Don't be disappointed in the gospel that has made you able to stand. Don't. And don't. Give yourself over to that yoke of shame again. Don't give your authority away. The enemy doesn't have authority over you. Unless you you do this. Say, yeah, I can't. Yeah, the shame is too much. Uh, No, it's more powerful than God. That is what we're saying. Let's be honest. But let's be free. Let's be free because it is for freedom Christ has set us free. That whole thing about submitting again is to be ensnared and to be trapped and to hold a grudge against someone. We either believe what this word promises to us and we stand firm on this word. Proclaim as loudly as I possibly can in my spirit and in my soul. I will not be moved from this spot. See, I won't be disappointed with the gospel because I know what it's done for me. I know where it's taken me from. I know it has delivered me from, from abuse, from drug and alcoholic addiction, and from suicide attempts, and from, and from lost years of my life. God has taken me from that, and he has given me a new name. A new position. Standing on his word. So yeah, I have pockets of shame. There are things that I fight and battle against. But you know what? I'm still in process. And so are you. God is still working on you. But we don't have to give ourselves over to those things. What we do is take that. As soon as those shame attacks come, we take it to the Father. Say, Father, I need your salvation here. I don't know about you. Today, I'm I'm telling you, I still need a Savior. I need Him every day of my life. And I also need a Master. I also need a King. 
And I need to recognize that He is Master and that He is King. And I bow my knee only to Him. I will not serve any other Master, not even one of my own device. I will only serve the King.